Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. Today we have Hunter Sabresos with us from Bacon. How's great. it going? Great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. We're excited to have you. Such a great name. I mean, you can do so many things with bacon, right? Absolutely. What, what do you get? Like, do people throw stuff at you? Like oh funny gosh. jokes? I decided not to tell a joke to begin <laughs> with because I was like, I guarantee he gets I'm it like all the time. Myself <laughs> I, get all time. Bacon. I get all time, but it was a decision that I made and I'm very proud of that decision. So listen, there's a bunch of temp agencies out there. There's a bunch of people that offer staffing. And I bet you if you took the average one, it would have the word people or gig or shift or something along those lines in the name. And I come from an advertising background. I used to work for some of the top advertising agencies in the world, marketing background. Give us a couple, just a couple uh, names. Crispin Porter Bogusky at the time when I worked oh. there was an advertising agency. It was actually down in Miami, moved to Boulder. Mm-hmm. And it had like the Burger King King, you know, the awkward King guy, the guys that invented that were there. We had like Volkswagen. We had, um, I, was an, I was like brand new there. Started off as an intern, moved to more of like a part-time role. And um, I was working on Orville Redenbacher. That was like their, hey, just go work on this thing (laughs) (laughs) account. Anyway, um, the name is really important. It got to stand out from the competition. Um, You got to represent something. We we represent something that is new and fresh. So I wanted something new and fresh. So I was looking for something that would make someone smile when they thought about staffing, which isn't always common, you know? It's not one of those fun topics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, I mean... Let's be honest here. Temp agencies don't have the best reputation. So my, my son was 10-year-old at the time. He doodles all the time. He was doodling on a notebook. And the name of the notebook was a different brand. And he took Sharpie, changed it to say the word bacon. And it made me chuckle, made me laugh. And I was like, okay, there we go. Bring home the bacon. We'll save your bacon. Make all these aspects oh. of you know, what a marketplace, a staffing marketplace can do for a company that's struggling with the staffing problem. So, and then I thought, people are gonna like this, you know? They're gonna like bring home the bacon. So we, I call up companies, hey, this is Hunter, I'm the CEO of Bacon, and they go, what? You know? CEO <laughs> You bacon. say, what? And I was like, yeah, yeah, CEO of Bacon, you know, like, well, okay, I'll patch you through. Because I, can you say that to, you know, John when, you, when, you, when he answers the call? It's a great way to get in the door. CEO Bacon. And you have a little bacon strip in your logo I'm looking at. Yeah, yes. The B here has got sort of like a, a bacon. It's also sort of like a dollar sign, you know, where you got like a $2. So, yeah. Well, I love bacon, so. That makes two of us. BLTs in the summertime, my favorite sure. yeah. thing. Bring home yeah. the bacon. That makes a lot more sense. Bring it home. Yeah. That's good. So That's you guys do uh, staffing. We usually ask for a 30-second elevator pitch. You kind of already did it, but pitch. go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Bacon's app that allows companies to hire workers for as short as a single shift and also allows workers to pick the companies and times to work that best fit their schedule. So it's doing hourly staffing in a completely new and what I would say modern way, um, more flexibility, more choice, more accountability than any other staffing solution has provided in the past. It's almost like the Airbnb of staffing. Nice. It's very Yay. much like that. I've heard that one. I've heard the Tinder of staffing. That's what I said I've to somebody heard, oh, today. Wow. I've heard the Uber, yes. I was like, it's the but Tinder like, of staffing. We run into Tinder copyright issues, so we're yeah. going to 
keep it to so they're bacon bacon that's a great that's a great <laughs> advertising campaign it though, is, let's yeah, be yeah. honest it's great yeah that's awesome uh, the gig economy has grown so much for sure i remember when i first graduated i i got an accounting degree uh-huh. uh and when i first graduated or when i was about to graduate i think i still had like a couple classes left and i was like hey i, I kind of want to see what accounting would be like in the real world and so i i went to a staffing sure. agency and i was like yeah. hey just give me a like a part time and I didn't get a choice. Right. I didn't get to like decide what they just like put me in these random things. So like I helped out with an auction right. one day and I was like counting money and like it had nothing to do with accounting. Sure. It was like something completely random, Absolutely. but it was just somebody that had hired them. And so I, I mean, love the idea of being able to like choose what jobs you want. Right. On both sides. And right? I don't have, I, let me put it this way. Like I don't have any personal issues with any particular temp agency, right. but I'll tell you one thing that I think would probably get you even more if I kind of explain to you. Like, oh yeah, that just doesn't seem right as a principle. So imagine someone walking into a temp agency who really doesn't have a lot of experience. They're trying to do exactly what you said you were trying to do. But let's say even more of an entry-level position because they don't have the education, maybe, you know? So what the temp agency often does is like, we're going to negotiate that person down as much as we can on their wage. Then they go to the company and they negotiate the company up as high as possible to build as much margin. Now, that's not a good, bad business move. But it may not be the most fair thing in the world to someone who's coming into this fresh and doesn't really know how to negotiate for themselves. So making platforms a flat rate um, markup on our, you know, for our clients. In fact, we actually offer a discount when the clients are uh, approving hours on time, getting their invoices paid on time, not canceling shifts with too short a notice so that they're inconveniencing the workers. So we offer that standard across the board. So and it is like Uber. They get... Get a yeah, better I mean, rating. Well, I'll tell you what. The trick that we are focused, the kind of key focus that we have is we're trying to build a healthy marketplace of hourly work. In order to build a healthy marketplace, you've got to work both sides. Mm-hmm. You've got to make sure there's enough supply. You've got to make sure there's enough demand. Usually there's an easier side. And Good the easier point. side for us is actually the workers. We get a lot of people that are looking for work. A lot of people that want to find opportunities to make a little extra cash, people that would normally not be in the workforce, they come to our platform because of the flexibility we offer them and how easy it is to find things. The companies are a little bit harder because you got to get them to understand why this new model will solve a lot of problems for them. You know, they've been dealing with turnover for decades in these hourly roles. Um, you'd think that after all that, you'd kind of say, well, it's not working for you, so why do you keep trying the same thing, right? But of course, it takes people some time to adapt to the new model. Uh, and we've been able to solve that problem for a lot of people. So when we go out to work the marketplace, we want to make sure there's enough workers, enough, cl- enough opportunities for people to work. And um, you know, that's what we really focus on. Because once you get that marketplace to a point where workers are referring workers, clients are referring clients, that's when it really takes you know, like a, a magic quality. Growth will happen exponentially. Oh, it happens organically. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not as much expense on our side to make sure that marketplace is happy and healthy. And it's a trusted referral if it's coming it's from totally, someone that yes, they're, absolutely. They're talking about. So we have this system where clients can build up their favorites list of workers. So, you know, like you said, you got sent to a place, you didn't even know where you're going, and probably the client didn't even know who you were. You just showed up, 
you know, I need 10 people, 10 people show up. That's the way it usually works in the temp agency world. With us, you get to see those people in advance of the shift. You can see the reviews. You can see, the, you know, what other bosses have said about their work. I can select the people I want. Let's say there's a certain style of person that needs to be, you know, you go work at the Utah Jazz game, and it's like, I need a certain person in the club. So I'm going to pick the right type of person that has the right experience, you know, is going to be able to present themselves the right way. Versus in a warehouse, I just need some people to, like, crank out, hardworking people that will crank out orders. Um, and so we give people that opportunity to choose, as clients to choose. Are you industry agnostic or do you guys have a specific industry that you're tailored to? Great question. We focus on two specific industries, although I'd say they're more like buckets than industries. So warehouse, logistics, fulfillment companies, they kind of fall into the same bucket for us, whether they're the people bringing in the crates and offloading them into a warehouse or the people taking the stuff off the warehouse shelves and fulfilling orders, online orders from a fulfillment capacity or you're just a warehouse for a company. Like all of those are roles that we fill very, very well and we know how to do very, very well. Um, the other side is the events and catering side. So we're working with, uh, like down in Dallas, we've got shifts in the AT&T Stadium and the Globe Life Field. Las Vegas, we've done some things at the Raiders Stadium there, Allegiant, I think it's Allegiant Field. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, here, the Utah Jazz. We've worked with the University of Utah, done all their concessions um, out in Detroit. So that's one. And then we've got like convention centers and catering companies that work in those convention centers or are hosting events in hotels where they have like convention space. So those are kind of the two primary markets that we do very, very well. We've had other types of companies post cleaning companies, um, landscape, you know companies, uh, construction, some degree of construction, but we generally provide generalist roles. So they got to be pretty low uh, skill or low uh, requirement for certification. Entry level. Entry level type thing that someone can pick up and learn within a short amount of time and be effective. Very cool. What, what do you, I mean, maybe this never happens, but what do you do in the case of, you know, your business model where the companies can choose the temp workers, but the temp workers can choose the companies, right? Yes. What if you have a company that's notoriously not known for caring for their employees very well and no one wants to work for them? Is that a yeah. company you just drop off or something or what? Well, I'll tell you happen? what, workers talk. Mm-hmm. I've been in <laughs> dozens of situations where the workers are sitting to the side, maybe on a break or before the shift or just after the shift, and they say, hey, what shifts have you worked? What companies are good to work around here? It's the first thing they talk about. So if I was a company and I wanted to have success bringing on people from an hourly capacity, whether it's through bacon or any other way of hiring, I'd say you have to pay attention to the way you treat hourly workers. The companies that treat their temp or gig workers the same way they treat their full-time staff, they always have great fill rate on our platform. You know, they welcome people when they come in the door. They take them to where they need to work. They train them, make sure they're trained. They ask them if they have any questions. They treat them with respect, show them where the bathroom is, like the way you would want to be treated. Uh, Companies that think of them as just, this is a temp person, I'm not going to see them tomorrow. Well, you might not see them tomorrow. You might see somebody else on our platform. And then eventually, if you have a bad enough reputation, people are just going to stop coming to you. So you got to pay attention to it. 
And I like that factor. I like situations where people are being held accountable for actual work, right? For actual hustle. We call it hustle and shine. Actual hustle and shine. Like how well do you hustle? How well do you show up with a positive attitude, whether it's the company or the worker? What what kind of got you down this path? Like why this problem to solve? How far back do you want to go? Let's go all the way, man. <laughs> Other than, like, time, you already told us about time. your son. He's the reason <laughs> it's called bacon. But, like, yes, where, yes, where yes. does this start? I mean, I like to go back a little bit to the roots because it matters to me on a personal level. This type of thing matters to me on a personal level. Did you have a bad experience or something? And My mom was a single mom. Huh. She was raising five kids. She wow. was going to school, and she was trying to keep a full-time a job. shout-out to your mom. Shout-out to my mom. Yeah. What's her name? Her name's Diana Heschla. Okay. Yes. There you go, Diana. Yeah. So, um, here's to you, mom. <laughs> but um, yeah, she was a single mom. Um, you know, raising kids in a situation back, kind of in the '80s, where temp and gig work really wasn't a thing. You know, so um, I watched her go through that. It was a struggle. It was a struggle to make that balance. What she really needed was some degree of flexibility, whether that was with school or with work or with family well when you're a single mom there's not a flexibility with your family so i saw that firsthand um and that probably impacted you it totally impacted me impacted me the way i think about this type of a person this type of a worker and what help is needed to get to the next step which i did witness with with my mom she did get a lot of help from community from family members you know and she actually ended up um, finishing her degree, actually finished her master's degree. Wow. Um, all of us kids went to college. Cool. And one day I'm sitting with her in 2018, and I had been meeting with companies that were struggling with this staffing problem with a different company over and over and over again. Just hearing all the hiring managers, all of the HR directors, all of the staff you know, supervisors just really lamenting about the struggle. And I'm sitting there with my mom one day, we were just chatting and she said, you know, I'm retired now, but I'd like to just be busy. You know, I'd like to work every now and then. I'm not quite ready to completely retire. I wish I could find something that would just let me work whenever I need to work, you know? She said, son, I'm gonna make a, like a pie or a batch of cookies and I'm gonna, can you design a flyer for me? We're gonna go take it to some office. And I'm like, there's gotta be a better way than just like. I mean, that drop. sounds like a great way. It is a great way. It is a great way. <laughs> you bring me a pie, I mean, I you're in. complain for fresh baked goods. Yeah. But I said, how do we do, how do we replicate this at scale, right? How do we do this for more than just mom, but for everyone out there who's feeling this same challenge? You've got really educated and experienced people who just don't participate in the workforce because we're using an outdated model of what work is, an industrial age model where we're actually now in this much more digital, you know, information, whatever you want to call it, age. It's much more fast paced and people are much more uh, willing to accept creative ways of work. So anyway, we launched the platform, um, got our first client on, you know, we got to revenue in about four months. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Now it helps that I had a track record of working with clients. It helps that we had a team that knew what we were trying to build because we had been, you know, talking to these types of clients and I had had opportunity to sit in front of them. Uh, but yeah, revenue in four months, 
our first client was the Utah Valley Convention Center. I'm pleased to say they're still a client, still posting today, five years later. So well done. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. So it came from um, not just a need in the marketplace because clearly there's a really strong need because of yeah. you know your growth so quickly, but there's um, a core you know concern there. That, there's that a personal really element to me. Mm-hmm. Our mission, when we talk about our mission, we talk about bringing the dignity of work to everyone. There is a sense of dignity that comes to a person's life when they wake up in the morning with a job to do. And we don't define ourselves. We shouldn't define ourselves by what we do at work, but it's definitely a big portion of who we are as people. And people like to feel like they're contributing. They like to feel like they have something to show up and do. And when we have a work, we get self-confidence and we have self-confidence, more opportunities become available to us. I'm a big believer that an opportunity well nurtured turns into more opportunity. And so we're just trying to give people that first step, get into a, an opportunity, impress people and watch where that goes. Right? That's cool. Just to have that door open sometimes yeah. means all the difference, huh? Absolutely. And we've heard that from several, even just a few weeks ago um, when we had uh, Amy Reese Anderson on the show and she talked about on the other side, right? When you sell your company, yeah, all of a sudden you have to deal with this a bit of an identity crisis because sure. you're like, oh man, that was the company was me, I was the company. Now it's no longer in my life. Who am I? Kind of that's thing, right. right. Yeah, no, and I wear the logo on my chest almost every day. Yeah, so like I totally understand. So we just we self-identify yeah. with our company, yep. so it's interesting to, to hear you say that for sure. The second thought, I, I'm really impressed with your story about your mom yeah. and just overcoming challenges and. And, you know, dealing with a hard circumstance. Uh, do you think that her example of like pushing through and battling through those challenges helped you have the courage to be an entrepreneur? My mom knows how to hustle. I'll tell you that. Like she didn't let those circumstances stop her from being able to accomplish what she needed to do. And that totally stuck with me, you know, as a kid into my older years, like that has, seeing her go through that has been uh, a great example for sure. Yeah. I love that. Like you, uh, not only did she like raise you five kids, but she also got you all into college Yeah, and she got degrees herself. So yeah. she's yeah. definitely a hustler. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she worked the whole time. Um, you know, she always says, I wish I could have just been a stay at home mom. So like those ladies that have that opportunity, I wouldn't, I don't think she would trade them. I mean, she would <laughs> trade them. I don't think she would um, regret having having been able to have that opportunity if she had it. Yeah. But um, but sometimes, you know, um, especially when it comes to moms, they just got to do what they got to do, you know? And as parents in general, like, you get that weight of, of providing on your shoulders, doing something, providing, like, a better opportunity for your kids hits you and you just got to figure out what you're going to do. And um, we see that on our platform all the time, actually. So I, if you don't mind, I'll share just a quick story. I would love it. Share um, a couple. I, I, um, we, last year we had an opportunity to reward or recognize some of the workers on our platform who have performed the highest. So one of those individuals had worked the most shifts 
lifetime in the Utah market. This is a woman um, named Kim, and she came to our leadership event. We have like an annual leadership retreat, and obviously we talk about strategic things, but as part of that, we always take a minute to recognize the workers on the platform. So she came and met with me right before we got up to make the announcement of who had won. We did the big check thing. I always nice. wanted to do the big check thing, you know, oversized check. So that was fun. Anyway, she says, Hunter, like, I'm so thankful that you created this company. Um, I'm a single mom. My daughter has cerebral palsy. And if you hadn't created this, like, I wouldn't have a job that would be flexible enough for me to provide for my daughter while also caring for her needs. Because some days, she, I just can't go to work. You know, she just needs my help. And no other company would be willing to accept that, right? So I need something that's more flexible. That was an awesome moment for me because, you know, I'm thinking of my mom and what she was going through. Different situation, but similar in ways. And, you know, we had an opportunity to at least see, at least with one person, that goal of resolving that challenge in her life, you know, for at least one person. It was just great. And we have these types of stories all the time. Um, so it's, you know, along with being a great business and something that's fun to be a part of as we experience like post-COVID labor challenges, we get the chance to see people's lives improved through work. And we, that's kind of core to our mission. That's so cool. What a great ambassador for your brand too. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And I love, there's a much deeper level of conviction here and and um, reasoning as to why the company came into, into sure. existence. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's always great to build something that other people like to be part of. And um, as much as possible, we're trying to build that for them, but we're also trying to honor that. You know, people are giving you of their time. That's the most valuable thing that they can give you. So, you know, we, we want to make sure we're providing them a good experience. And we have a lot that we can improve to make that better but we're doing our best to make sure to recognize that dignity that's the word that's sticking out to me is dignity you're Absolutely. giving them dignity and helping them in their life uh, with the time that they're giving you that's cool absolutely yeah. well um hunter um you've been doing this for a minute so i'm sure you've seen a lot of i mean that's a really uh, impactful emotional story What's a crazy story that you as a, as a business owner or entrepreneur has gone through where you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened or that just about took out our company or something like yeah. along um, those lines. Okay, so I mean, everybody else has got a COVID story, so why not us, right? I was so. going to ask about COVID actually, so let's go. <laughs> it works great. I mean, we, I had the lucky privilege that my in-laws were actually in China at the time COVID broke out. And they were sending me back pictures of like what was happening there, shelves being emptied, you know, toilet paper being <laughs> emptied off the shelf. Their airlines being canceled over yeah, and yeah, over and over. People wearing masks and stuff. And they're like, this is crazy. You know, we're coming home, we're safe. But, you know, I had kind of had on my radar that this might be something we'd have to deal with, maybe a little bit more seriously than some other people did because I was seeing this stuff come back. At the time, I don't think you guys maybe not remember, but some people were like, is this going to even... Oh, so this was months prior to COVID yes. actually happening. Well, oh, okay. months prior. So I started to put together a plan for how we would handle it if it hit. Now, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but we kind of had some things in place that would help us react quickly. So as soon as COVID hit, 
about a third of our businesses that were posting on our platform completely vanished. Not died themselves, but all of their shifts that they had posted were just gone. So that was more in the event space because no events were allowed. Can't get you know close to each other. Social distancing. So at that point, I was like, okay, what are we going to do here? We're going to have just like a dropout year. I think our investors were expecting that. Just this is just going to be a bad year. We'll just see what happens. Um, we pivoted the business and we started to focus on that industrial side of the business, the warehouses, the fulfillment centers. Uh, I introduced a, pro a promotion program that would allow them to post without our fees for 30 to 60 days because we just wanted to get good people and good companies continue to work. We wanted the economy to continue to flow. The truth is that those companies started to grow by two and 300%, which meant our company also grew by two and 300% during that period of time because everyone was at home ordering the stuff <laughs> rather than going to the shelves and buying it and they needed people to process it. So yeah, I was kind of, you know, when it first hit and all of that revenue just came off the table in one good, you know, couple of days, certainly was a little bit hesitant by that. Um, but I kind of, you know, I've always kind of prided our company in being able to improvise, adapt. We say improvise, adapt, and overcome. I come from like a Marine Corps background. So that's one of our mottos, improvise, adapt, and overcome. And so we quickly made that pivot, focused on that area, and it certainly helped us have a wonderful year of growth, regardless of what was happening in the market. Good for you. Yeah. That's awesome. Were you a Marine once? I was a Marine once. Wait, you skipped that Actually, part of the always story. Always a Marine. <laughs> once a Marine, always a Marine, right? That's right. Yeah. When did you go into the forces? I was. I signed up when I was seventeen. Oh. Actually, I, my mom, you know, had to sign my papers because I was too young to sign them. So, I went in um, and I had, uh, you know, did a tour in Iraq around two thousand three, and. Um, Spent some time in this, uh, Southeast Asia as well, in Okinawa, and doing some tours around that area. So, um, yeah. So you're cool. also veteran-owned, so probably very... You are veteran-owned, yeah. That's cool. So you probably saw a spot for veterans, too, that are trying to get yeah, back absolutely. into the workforce and yeah. build their life. Yeah. yeah, the people on our platform are varied. you got people that are full-time tempers, as we like to call them. They're people that, used, that would be on a, either at a temp agency or on our platform, and a lot of them moved to our platform because... It's just a little bit easier to just download an app and get going, right? And you got your stay-at-home parents, you got your college students, you got your retired professionals, which include a lot of veterans, who are just saying, like, I can't work all the time. I can't even do a part-time shift, but I can work on this day from this time to that time and this day from this time to that time, and I've got some goals here. So I want to get a little extra cash, or I want to make some money around my school schedule, or I just want to stay busy and meet great people. And that's what a lot of those, you know, veterans and retired professionals do. Really cool. Well, thank you for your service. I, I, I saw that on your LinkedIn profile and was impressed with that. Um, and then I also saw uh, Entrepreneur of the Year finalist from a couple yeah. years ago, two years ago. Actually, just last year. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. Good experience. Uh, it's with Ernst & Young. Their team was very, very... Uh, great to work with, good people, uh, made some good friends through the process. We didn't quite get actually hit the award of being one of the entrepreneurs of the year and move on to the national level. 
Um, but it was a great experience to go through it at the regional level. And um, Great exposure regardless, right? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, they do encourage you to kind of come back, and they do have a lot of people that maybe went at the second or third time around. So we're considering entering again. You have to be nominated, actually. Um, and then... Um, we'll nominate you, Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got on the startups to watch as well from the Utah Valley Business we Magazine, did. right? Yes. And I think we've got a couple of more awards coming this year as well, actually. We've just got word back from a couple of them that we're going to be honored again. It's always great to be recognized. The, my most, um, the thing that I'm most grateful for when it comes to recognition is what it does for the team. Team says, "Okay, we're legit." Like someone thinks yeah. we're legit. Validating. There. There's some yeah. right. There's some validation, and it helps kind of rally the troops and say, "You guys are doing something great," and people are out there recognizing it. Hmm. That's that's really exciting. Can you can you talk numbers at all, Hunter? Like revenues or people on your platform or what? Can you talk hundreds about of thousands of people on our platform? Okay. Yeah, we've we've from the very beginning, um, you know, we're well over hundreds of thousands of people. I, we might be. By the end of this year, we might be encroaching on a million downloads, something along those lines. And that's here locally or regionally? That's or all throughout the nation. Nationwide. And thing. that would be from the history of the company. So not all those folks are going to be on there Active. on any one month. They may have come mm. and gone. just like. But it's a nice little milestone to recognize whenever we get there. Mm. Um, we're, we're in about 20 different markets, as I said, across the nation. Uh, we're really, really strong here in Utah, Salt Lake to Utah County area. And um, we're also out in the Dallas area and Las Vegas and, you know, Chicago, you know, different parts of the nation that are, you know, Phoenix, Mesa, that type of thing. So um, trying to spread our footprint, get out there and help as many companies as possible solve this challenge. Um, we just raised our Series A, we call it A1 round, uh, back in partly July and partly into this beginning of this year, kind of drug through that drug out, drug, it extended through that period of time. Say drugged. Drugged out. It's <laughs> like, that's not the right yeah. word. No, it's it extended not it. through that period of time. Um, in total, it was about a $9 million round. So Congrats. Yeah, it's a good size round. Um, and we've got great, you know, fuel in the tank to go and accomplish some great things this year and next year. So. Is the plan to expand into other markets, or are you going to continue to focus on those two kind of buckets that you've been focusing on? We're going to stay to those two industries. We're going to, okay. yeah, we're going to make sure that as many warehouse, 3PLs, you know, logistics companies out there know who we are, and as many events and stadiums and catering companies know who we are. And they're well. large industries, so you're... They're you're, huge industries. You can this grow whole, deep in those. Like the temp industry for uh, largely unskilled to, to low-skilled jobs. And I say that lightly because these are definitely skilled opportunities. It takes some skill. But that whole industry, by some estimations, is like $152 billion in the United States. So wow. it's a huge market. There's plenty of room to play for both you know, people in our space as well as temporary, traditional temporary staffing. Has, so I know when COVID hit, uh, the event stuff went to zero, obviously, yes. and it, it it has rebounded. Um, but the other part of your business took off. Is it still is has the event space caught back up, or is it still a large portion of the three PL and fulfillment? Um, it hasn't caught all the way back up. Awesome. Well, 
I'll say, I'll say that the amount, it's kind of a different type of revenue, to right. be honest. So like the, those, those warehouse and those, those types of companies, they're posting more like, I need a few people today and then I need to ramp up when my season gets really big. So they're consistent. That's the power of them. And then we go do something like three days of a Taylor Swift concert down in AT&T Stadium. <laughs> and it's like 200 people a day for three days. Can you get us that? You know what I mean? So it's different types, right? Mm. It's like you'll have a little bit more jagged ups and downs on the event side, a little more consistent on the warehouse side, which is why, you know, overall it uh, kind of out, outpaces the, the event side. That's cool. You, you were able to make that pivot and it has made a meaningful difference to the long-term yeah. health of your company. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's made it so that our marketplace is healthy. I, you know, there's a lot of companies that say, Hey, let's focus, you know, narrow in or die kind of an approach. And that's just not been what I've seen. I've seen that that diversity of shifts um, is something that workers like. Um, it's something that allows companies to get individuals they normally wouldn't get. Um, maybe they're not perfectly as specialized, but they're better overall thinkers, hustlers. They have better overall presentation skills, you know, to a company that has never had that before. So, um, you know, we don't mind having that on there. And then literally having that diversity saved us through COVID. So. I think it actually provides resiliency to our marketplace and is more of what the workers are actually looking for. Very smart. Yeah, it seems like that makes a lot of sense. What advice would you give other entrepreneurs in, in your, you know, space or, or, you know, along this journey? What, what would you tell them to do or not to do that you've learned? Oh my gosh. That's like, I know massive question. <laughs> that's right? a massive question. <laughs> There's a lot I could cover there. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have a lot of aspirations for building something and they think, wouldn't it be great if I recreated this? Um, and I actually think that's the wrong question to ask you, to ask. You're supposed to say, wouldn't people buy this, right? You're trying to go for where the demand is. What problem in the market what can we solve? What problem are we going to mm -hmm. solve, mm -hmm. right? How do we, and make sure that that problem is something people are going to pay for. Exactly. Right? You nailed it. So right we there. can't, we can't just think of what we think is a brilliant idea and hope that people want it. Start the other way around. So that would be my like, just please don't start a business unless you're starting from that point, because I don't want you to go through the heartache of <laughs> losing your business and your dream or the thing that you think you're passionate about. I always say, I already know what everyone is passionate about. Everyone's passionate about success. Everyone wants to feel like they're succeeding at something and being recognized for doing so. So make that your goal. Don't be so hyper-focused on one particular thing that you really like. Focus on what the market wants. Go where the market is going, you know? So that would be one word of advice for those that are really, really early. And also maybe those that are like, why is my business just not picking up? Because you're not in the right spot. You set up the, your shop at the wrong spot. Um, there's the, a lot of companies, you know, a lot of people I'm sure talk a lot about the importance of culture in your company, the importance of like knowing what you stand for and the importance of hiring people that stand for that. And I will say that is something I've always believed in and even thought I was really, really good at doing, but it is a hard task to ensure 
you are reinforcing all the time. And sometimes you get enamored by, well, there's this person that has this experience or this skill. And I just think there's nothing that overcomes that desire for having someone that aligns with you from your core value standpoint. Like they might help you for a while, but after a while that's gonna wear on the relationship and it's just not gonna work out in the long term. So you gotta make sure that uh, you're nailing that and you gotta stay like super diligent on that portion of your business. Um, which, you know, is both requires defining it very clearly for who you are and then obviously staying disciplined to it. So, so it, you mentioned earlier you do a company retreat every year, and that's probably yeah. one of the ways that you keep everybody kind of aligned and pointed in the right yeah. direction. Right. Do you have any other tips for companies on kind of that culture aspect or, uh, you know, helping your employees feel valued and, and for the work that they're doing. We could be better at that. We did a company survey and one of the things we scored low on was not recognizing people enough. And I actually think that that changed. We used to be very good at that. As our company grew and rapidly expanded, I think we got less, you know, we were less good at that. And so- How many employees are at your- uh, We're around 80 80? now. Okay. Yeah, so um, we had to maybe uh, institutional, whereas that used to be like something that I did on right. a personal level and I could go around and recognize people and say nice things and make sure to, you know, spotlight those individuals. Uh, once you start to get a little bit bigger, you got to spread that throughout the organization. And sometimes it has to be a little bit more institutionalized in terms of the action. So we've gone back to some, some things there and tried to make sure that we are bringing that forward. I would say that regular you know, town hall meetings, regular all hands meetings, you don't have to do anything special. You just have to make sure you recognize and that you take a moment to pause and celebrate. Um, and I think I've learned the lesson of being diligent on that as well. This has been so fun. Thanks for yeah. sharing an, an afternoon with us and giving us some insight on bacon. I've never learned so much about bacon in my life. So this That's is great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great opportunity to chat with you guys. Certainly, it's a pleasure to be able to talk about my business with people who will listen. So thank cool. you so much for that. Good luck with the future growth. Appreciate it. See ya. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.